Hi, this is Bianca. Only two things in life are certain. On today's episode, a story about an unspeakable tragedy, followed by a poem that was inspired by it. But first, a few words on the topic of taxes. This is The One Mic Project. Everyone is starting to feel the new tax hikes. You get what you vote for. The hedge fund guys, these guys, they have to pay higher taxes ASAP. Believe me. I never said I didn't pay taxes. That makes me smart. The more you tax me, the less people I employ. Get it? I never said I didn't pay taxes. I never said that. Believe me. I never said it. Never said it. That makes me smart. Nobody knows more about taxes than I do and income than I do. I never said I didn't pay taxes. That makes me smart. I know our complex tax laws better than anyone who has ever run for president. Wrong. I never said I didn't pay taxes. That makes me smart. I have legally used the tax laws to my benefit. I never said I didn't pay taxes. That makes me smart. You get what you vote for. And that was a collection of quotes from a certain political candidate on the topic of taxes. Last, we'll hear a story from my friend Marcellus, and he'll take us out with a poem that was inspired by the events that took place in the story. Marcellus Neely is an associate professor of academic English and clinical communication at Juntendo University. He's also a musician, a poet, and a photographer. He's lived in Japan for 24 years. Many thanks to Marcellus and to everyone who helped with this episode. Colin Berry, Marcus Bird, Peter Harriot, Gordon Higgins, Leslie Humphrey, Jonathan Newman, Rajan Noah, Davis Gwen, Erin Shouldice, and Ebony Subasinghe. Please follow the One Mic Project on Facebook and at, on Twitter at One Mic Project for information on upcoming themes and submission deadlines. Thanks for listening. Here's Marcellus. When I was a college student, I worked in a hospital. My job was simple. I was an orderly. I took patients from the emergency room to the x-ray department and back again. That was it. 
there were many, many, many different things that happened inside of that hospital. And I'm sure I can fill up an hour's space of telling stories about those days. But today, I have to tell you one specific thing that I remember. It was a horrible accident. You see, a kid had been brought to the emergency room by ambulance, and that kid had half of his skull blown off. He had gotten into an argument with another kid, both were about five or six years old, over a video game. Apparently they couldn't decide whose game it was or whose turn it was to play or whatever, but the shooter immediately went into the house, reached for his father's gun, came back outside and blew the skull off of the other kid. I'll never forget two things that I remember from that moment. The first was how excited the staff and the nurses and everyone was to rush and see the kid whose skull had been blown off. They were like, oh my God, oh my God, let's go look, let's go look. And how disgusted I was at all of that. How I was disgusted by the fact that no one else was disgusted by the fact that a kid had had his head blown off. And then the second thing that I remember that I will never ever forget for the rest of my life was the sound of the mother wailing in the hallway as she realized that her son had been murdered. Her screaming and falling to her knees, shouting, my baby, my baby. It's the stuff that brings chills to the bones and sometimes makes me startle myself awake at night when that voice comes to haunt me in my dreams. So here's a poem I wrote about that moment. This moment when this horrible accident happened. The poem is called, I Was Born in America. I was born in America, land of the free, home to big-bottom lovers of everything verbose, proud, loud, 32 ounces in one gulp, America. Her creators were so generous, they gave blankets to indigenous people as they prayed for their souls in Jesus' name, Amen. They offered to help them have pride in themselves by giving them shiny trinkets and baubles to hang around their necks. They even offered to tend their land so they wouldn't have to. Buying land is like buying air, oh silly white men, they giggled. Giggled until they lay crippled and pocked under warm wool wondering where the curse had come from. I was born in America, green hills, open fields, so beautiful, so diverse, from every land to the lands where my ancestors came from. Their backs glisten on American soil under American suns, sweaty like brown sculpted marble hunching over tiny clouds. They carried bags of tiny clouds, so heavy they disfigured. How generous the overseers were to give homes to savages, polytheistic heathens who dance gloriously naked into the sunlight, the moonlight, and the firelight. And when their backs grew crooked from all the clouds they carried and from too much longing to be African again, they straightened them out with hard, bendable leather. Who knew such treatment was good for the voice, too? It helped to build strong lungs. 
Gracious hands were often busy helping to strengthen lungs and straighten backs. I was born in America, a country full of people who were so generous they would often hang food in the trees for the crows to feed on. In Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, and places in the deep, the crows were so fat you'd swear they had it too good. How that food swung like dark pendulums below the blessed rope, twisted jute made from strands gathered by their brothers, sisters, cousins, and even the worn hands of mothers and fathers, lovingly twisted and placed like magical necklaces, like teleportation devices around their necks and away from the harshness of the world. My grandmother told us, her voice shaking with fond memories of the men in her family, all of the men, all of them keeping time with magnolia leaves in the wind. I was born in America, the same birthplace as Horace Smith and Daniel Wesson. They made it their mission to put a volcanic in every hand so that no one would have to watch their wife or husband cheat and feel helpless about it. Neighborhood watchers could stand their ground. They could take action against the darkest shadow or hooded foe and not fear for their manhood. Those bright profiteers, those harbingers of fortune, they saw gold in the eyes of America's children. Sure, some mothers wept. Many mothers wept. Like that wailing woman I saw in some Cleveland emergency room. Her son was only six years old, but half his skull was gone. Her tears are nothing in comparison to the kindergarten killer's vicious leap to manhood. He settled his fight for that video game in true American fashion.